Chapter Eleven of Whispering Smith by Frank Spearman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven at the Three Horses. Clean them out of the Rocky Mountains as a pretty good contract, mused the man in McLeod's office on Sunday morning. He sat opposite McLeod in Buck's old easy chair and held in his hand Buck's telegram. As he spoke, he raised his eyebrows and settled back, but the unusual depth of the chair and the shortness of his legs left his chin helpless in his black tie, so that he was really no better off except that he had changed one position of discomfort for another. "'I wonder now,' he mused, sitting forward again as McLeod watched him, "'I wonder, you know, George, the Andes are, strictly speaking, a part of the great North American chain, whether Buck's meant to include the south american ranges in that message and a look of mildly good-natured anticipation overspread his face suppose you wire him and find out suggested mcleod no george no bucks never was accurate in geographical expressions besides he's shifty and would probably cover his tracks by telling me to report progress when i got to panama a clerk opened the outer office door mr dancing asked if he can see you mr mcleod tell him i'm busy bill dancing close on the clerk's heels spoke for himself i know it mcleod i know it he interposed urgently but let me speak to you just a moment hat in hand bill because no one would knock him down to keep him out pushed into the room i've got a plan he urged in regards to getting these hold-ups "'How are you, Bill?' exclaimed the man in the easy-chair, jumping hastily to his feet and shaking Dancing's hand. Then quite as hastily he sat down, crossed his knees violently, stared at the giant lineman, and exclaimed, "'Let's have it!' Dancing looked at him in silence and with some contempt. The trainmaster had broken in on the superintendent for a moment, and the two were conferring in an undertone what might your name be mister growled dancing addressing with some condescension the man in the easy-chair the man waved his hand as if it were immaterial and answered with a single word forgotten how's that forgotten that's a blamed queer name on the contrary it's a very common name and that's just the trouble it's forgotten what do you want bill demanded mcleod turning to the lineman is this man all right asked dancing jerking his thumb toward the easy chair you can't say you'll have to ask him i'll save you the trouble bill by saying that if it's for the good of the division i'm all right death to its enemies damn say i now go on william and give us your plan in regards to getting these hold-ups yes dancing looked from one man to the other but mcleod appeared preoccupied and his visitor seemed wholly serious i don't want to take too much on myself bill began speaking to mcleod you look as if you could carry a fair-sized load william provided it bore the right label suggested the visitor entirely amiable but nobody has felt worse over this thing and recent things recent things echoed the easy chair happening to the division that i have now i know there's been trouble on the division i think you're putting it too strong there bill but let it pass there's been differences misunderstandings and differences 
So I says to myself, maybe something might be done to get everybody together and bury the differences. Like this. Murray Sinclair's in town. He feels bad over this thing, like any railroad man would. He's a mountain man, quick as the quickest, with a gun, a good trailer, rides like a fiend, and can catch a streak of sunshine traveling on a pass. Why not put him at the head of a party to run em down? Run em down? nodded the stranger. Differences such as be or maybe, maybe, being discussed when he brings em in, dead or alive, and not before. That's what I said to Murray Sinclair, and Murray Sinclair's ready for to take hold this minute and do what he can if he's asked. I told him plain I could promise no promises. That, I says, lays with Mr. McLeod. Was I right? Was I wrong? If I was wrong, write me. If I was right, say so. All I want is harmony. The new man nodded approval. Bully, Bill, he exclaimed heartily. Mister, protested the lineman with simple dignity, I'd just a little rather you wouldn't bully me nor bill me. All in good part, Bill, as you see, all in good part. Now, before Mr. McLeod gives you his decision, I want to be allowed a word. Your idea looks good to me. At first, I may say it didn't. I am candid. I say it didn't. It looked like setting a dog to catch his own tail. Mind you, I don't say it can't be done. A dog can catch his own tail. They do do it, proclaimed the stranger in a low and emphatic undertone. But, he added, moderating his utterance, when they succeed, who gets anything out of it but the dog? Bill dancing somewhat clouded and not deeming it well to be drawn into any damaging admissions, looked around for a cigar, and not seeing one, looked solemnly at the new Solomon and stroked his beard. That's how it looked to me at first, concluded the orator. But, I say now, it looks good to me, and as a stranger I may say I favor it. Dancing tried to look unconcerned and seemed disposed to be friendly. What might be your line of business? Real estate. I'm from Chicago. I sold everything that was for sale in Chicago and came out here to stake out the Spanish sinks in the Great Salt Lake. Yes, it's drying up, and there's an immense opportunity for claims along the shore. I've been looking into it. Into the claims or into the lake? asked McLeod. Into both. And, Mr. McLeod, I want to say I favor Mr. Dancing's idea. That's all. Right wrongs no man. Let Bill see Sinclair and see what they can figure out. And having spoken, the stranger sank back and tried to look comfortable. I'll talk with you later about it, Bill, said McLeod briefly. Meanwhile, Bill, see Sinclair and report, suggested the stranger. It's as good as done, announced Dancing, taking up his hat. And, Mr. McLeod, might I have a little advance for cigars and things? Cigars and ammunition, of course. C. Sykes, William, C. Sykes. If the office is closed, go to his house and see what will happen to you, added the visitor in an aside. And tell him to telephone up to Mr. McLeod for instruction, he concluded unceremoniously. And why do you want to start Bill on a fool business like that? asked McLeod, as Bill Dancing took long steps from the room toward the office of Sykes, the cashier. He didn't know me today, but he will tomorrow, said the stranger reflectively. Gods, what I've seen that man go through in the days of the giants. 
Why, George, this will keep the boys talking, and they'll have to do something. Spend the money. The company's making it too fast anyway. They moved 22,000 cars one day last week. Personally, I'm glad to have a little fun out of it. It'll be hell, pure and undefiled, long before we get through. This will be an easy way of letting Sinclair know I'm here. Bill will report me confidentially to him as a suspicious personage. To the astonishment of Sykes, the superintendent confirmed over the telephone dancing statement that he was to draw some expense money. Bill asked for twenty-five dollars. Sykes offered him two, and Bill, with some indignation, accepted five. He spent all of this in trying to find Sinclair, and on the strength of his story to the boys, borrowed five dollars more to prosecute the search. At ten o'clock that night he ran into Sinclair playing cards in the big room above the three horses. The three horses still rears its hospitable two-story front in Fort Street, the only one of the Medicine Bin gambling houses that goes back to the days of sixty-seven, and it is the boast of its owners that since the key was thrown away thirty-nine years ago, its doors have never been closed, night or day, except once for two hours during the funeral of Dave Hawk. Bill Dancing drew Sinclair from his game and told him of the talk with MacLeod, touching it up with natural enthusiasm. The bridgeman took the news in high good humor and slapped Dancing on the back. "'Did you see him alone, Bill?' asked Sinclair with interest. "'Come over here. Come along. I want you to meet a good friend. Here, Harvey, shake hands with Bill Dancing. Bill, this is old Harvey Dusang, meanest man in the mountains to his enemies and the whitest to his friends, eh, Harvey?' Harvey seemed uncommunicative. Studying his hand, he asked in a sour way whether it was a jackpot, and upon being told it was not, pushed forward some chips and looked stupidly up, though Harvey was by no means stupid. "'Proud to know you, sir,' said Bill, bending frankly as he put out his hand. "'Proud to know any friend of Murray Sinclair's. What might be your business?' Again Dusang appeared abstracted. He looked up at the giant lineman, who, in spite of his own size and strength, could have crushed him between his fingers, and hitched his chair a little, but got no further toward an answer, and paid no attention whatever to Bill's extended hand. "'Cow business, Bill,' interposed Sinclair. "'Where? Why, up near the park, Bill. Up near the park. Bill's an old friend of mine, Harvey. Shake hands with George Seagrew, Bill, and you know Henry Carg.' and old stormy gorman well i guess you know him too exclaimed sinclair introducing the other players look here a minute harvey harvey much against his inclination was drawn from the table and retired with sinclair and dancing to an empty corner where dancing told his story again at the conclusion of it harvey rather snorted sinclair asked questions was anybody else there when you saw mcleod bill one man answered bill impressively who a stranger to me a stranger what did he look like slender man and kind of odd talking with a sandy mustache hear his name he told me his name but it skipped me i declare he's kind of dark complected like stranger uh, mused de sang his eyes were wandering over the room slender man repeated bill 
But I didn't take much notice of him, said he was in the real estate business. In the real estate business? And did he sit there while you talked this over with the college guy? muttered Dusang. He's all right, boys, and he said you'd know his name if I speak it, declared Bill. Look anything like that man standing with his hands in his pockets over there by the wheel? asked Dusang, turning his back carefully on a newcomer as he made the suggestion. Where? There? No. Yes. Hold on. That's a man there now. Hold on now, urged Bill, struggling with the excitement of ten hours and ten dollars all in one day. His name sounded like Fogarty. As Dancing spoke, Sinclair's eyes riveted on the new face at the other side of the gambling room. Fogarty hell, he exclaimed, starting. Stand right still, Dusing. Don't look around. That man is Whispering Smith. End of chapter 11